As Michigan's most powerful and influential voice for business, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce stands ready to serve you. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com to learn more now. If we fail to act and abortion becomes illegal in our state for virtually any reason, including cases of rape and incest, we will have one of the most extreme laws in the country. This is Carrie Jr. the second. You're listening to On the Line, and that's Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And so it's critical that we push forward to uh, ensure that this right is protected. And the vast majority of people in our state um, share that same value. And so she's speaking here with Free Press columnist Nancy Kaffer about some big news she dropped this week how she's suing to keep Michigan's 1931 ban on abortion from once again becoming the law of the land. That's what would happen should the U.S. Supreme Court overturn or undermine Roe v. Wade in the coming weeks. I think that this is an important moment that women, as uh, the full rights of Americans, have autonomy over our, our bodies and our ability to make um, our decisions and have equal protection under the law. On this week's episode, we dive into her lawsuit, her chances of success, and what a post-Roe Michigan could look like. To get us started, I want to do introductions uh, before we get fully going. I'll just go Nancy first, then Kristen, then Dave, if we can do that. My name is Nancy Kaffer. I'm a political columnist and a member of the editorial board at the Detroit Free Press. Hi, I'm Kristen Seamus, and I am a reporter covering health for the Detroit Free Press. My name is Dave Boucher, and I'm a government and politics reporter for the Detroit Free Press. Fantastic. Thank you to the three of you for being here. But let's start with Nancy. Um, so some big news came out of the governor's office this week. Can you get us going? Explain what happened. And you actually got an early tip to speak with the governor about this uh, ahead of the announcement. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. Um, so I need to give you a little bit of background to explain what's happening now. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Supreme Court is currently considering a case called Dobbs versus uh, Jackson Women's Health Organization. It's related to a Mississippi state uh, ban on abortions after 15 weeks. There is a conservative majority on the court, and it is widely believed that the court is preparing to overturn Roe versus Wade, which is the 1973 landmark legal ruling that granted the right to legal abortion to American women. Because this is happening and because there's sort of no recourse to a Supreme Court ruling, a lot of different forces are trying to figure out how to protect this right in Michigan. This week, Governor Whitmer is asking the Michigan Supreme Court to declare the 1931 law banning abortion unconstitutional. If the court were to rule in her favor, then that would mean that regardless of how the Supreme Court ruled, the right to abortion would be protected in Michigan. And she's suing prosecutors? Yeah, that's right. So she is suing the people who, in theory, would have the power to enforce that 1931 law if Roe v. Wade is overturned. That's because there are uh, abortion clinics are in 13 Michigan counties, and she's suing all the prosecutors in those counties. And so in reference to the Michigan state law, this is for either Nancy or Dave. Can you just walk us through what is this law? um, What does it say? And why does it matter? So in 1931, the Michigan legislature enacted a law that bans most abortions. 
that essentially translates to any abortion that is done without the intent of trying to save the life of the pregnant person is banned under state law. As Nancy mentioned, this law was essentially nullified by the 1973 uh, decision in Roe, but if Roe is overturned, then it would be back on the books and enforceable for prosecutors. It does not have exceptions for things like rape or incest. So it is, it is a pretty broad ban. Um, I don't know if anyone has said this part yet, but uh, it, it, the 1931 law makes um, an abortion in Michigan a felony, a four-year felony. I think it's important to note that there is a 1963 Michigan State Supreme Court ruling that determined that the 1931 law permits the prosecution of abortion providers, but not people seeking an abortion. It's unclear if that's how it will be enforced, but that was that ruling. How accessible is abortion in Michigan currently? Sure. So there are 13 counties with abortion clinics in Michigan. Um, And those counties, some of them have multiple clinics. I believe there are 27 available abortion clinics in the state. So there is access, although it may be harder to get access to an abortion in in some of the rural parts of the state. Um, A lot of them are concentrated here in Metro Detroit. And it's also important to note there's been a lot of laws passed since Roe to try to restrict the right to abortion. Like in Michigan, there's a 24-hour waiting period. The patient has to get state-directed counseling, um, which includes information that is supposed to talk the woman out of having an abortion. The private insurance policies don't cover abortion unless your life is in danger unless you've purchased a rider at an additional cost to cover abortion. Um, Medicaid does not cover abortion. So you have to pay cash. Your parent of a minor has to consent. There's um, after viability. There's even more you know, criteria for when an abortion be, can be performed. So in 2020, there were nearly 30,000 abortions that were performed in Michigan. And that's the most since 1996. But in 1987, the state saw more than 49,000 abortions. So so the number of abortions are are coming down. And more than 20,000 of the abortions performed in Michigan last year occurred between five and eight weeks gestation. So again, there's a lot of questions about uh, how far along you can receive an abortion. Uh, Nancy mentioned the concept of the 15-week ban uh, in in Mississippi. Generally, broadly speaking, states can impose restrictions on abortion after what's called post-viability, so after the, the fetus or the baby can, can live outside of the pregnant person's body, that was a restriction that was imposed in a separate Supreme Court ruling called Casey that kind of um, restricted some of the, uh, the, the, the rights that had been uh, awarded through the Roe decision. What does getting an abortion look like in Michigan if Roe v. Wade is overturned? There would not be abortion in Michigan. There would be no legal abortion in Michigan. A woman in Michigan who wanted to terminate a pregnancy would have to travel to a state where abortion is legal. My understanding is that the closest state is Illinois. You know, I've talked to you know, clinic provi- or providers here in Michigan who say that they have been advised by their attorneys that as soon as the court rules, they have to shut it down or they could be charged with a four-year felony. I want to go uh, back to Catalyst for why we're here today to begin with. You know, why why does Whitmer find it important to address this, Nancy? You spoke with her. What did she have to say? 
So this is something she's been passionate about for her entire career. I mean, she's a woman. She is a mother. And so she knows what a momentous act it is to choose to become a mother. She said, we have 2.2 million women of childbearing age in this state, and they deserve to know that their rights are protected. She said, this is not a remote possibility that this ruling is going to come down. It is very clearly an extremely likely possibility. And she said, you know, this is about not just a woman's right to choose parenthood, but it is about our bodily autonomy. If we cannot, women, if we cannot choose to control our bodies, then we are second-class citizens. Is there any is there any sense politically which way the state Supreme Court will lean on Whitmer's lawsuit? Dave, Nancy, either one of you can pick that one up. I mean, in theory, this is a court that favors Governor Whitmer. There's a there's a very slight four three advantage for for Democrats. But but again, this is a it's it's hard to say, and I think that it would be improper for anybody to to go and and predict something with a great deal of confidence about how the court would rule. And these questions have been raised in different contexts in all sorts of other legal challenges at the federal and state level. In practice, I think it's it's going to be um, difficult to predict until we see something how this court could rule. I would note that this is a Supreme Court, a state Supreme Court with a female majority, but you know, women aren't monolithic in in our beliefs. How long until we'll hear a decision from the state Supreme Court on this lawsuit? Um, So the governor is using a little-known authority called executive message to ask the state Supreme Court to take the case right out of the trial court and hear it immediately. I think the governor is hoping for a quick ruling to prevent any lapse in care uh, for women who are seeking, you know, abortion, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on how quickly the court will want to act. There's a scenario where the court simply declines to expedite this process. It doesn't necessarily end the lawsuit. It still lives at the circuit court level. But as Nancy said, that that process can take a really long time. And, and, and to be clear, the, the Supreme Court is expected to rule in Dobbs before the end of its term in June, but that could happen any day. There, there's no guarantee that it, it won't be until June. Everyone's certainly going to be on the edge of their seats to see what the decision is going to be. After the break, a second lawsuit, why this is personal for Michigan's attorney general, and what that 1931 law may mean for some who suffer a miscarriage. As Michigan's leading statewide business advocacy organization, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce is on the job every day standing up for job providers in the legislative, political, and legal arenas. We are the unified voice of thousands of members who employ over one million Michiganders. We work with trade associations and local chambers of commerce of every size and kind in all 83 counties of the state. We know business in Michigan. Learn more today about how we can protect, connect, and strengthen your business. Whether that's advocating on your behalf at the Capitol, helping meet your informational training and networking needs, or boosting your bottom line visibility and voice, we're on the job for you. Make my chamber your chamber. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com, to learn more now.
And we're back. Speaking with Free Press columnist Nancy Kaffer and Free Press reporters Dave Boucher and Kristen Seamus about attempts to get a 1931 abortion ban off the books in Michigan. Now, there's also a separate lawsuit. Nancy, could you just briefly go over that for us? Yeah. Thursday, Planned Parenthood of Michigan filed a very similar lawsuit to the governor's with the Michigan Court of Claims. They are asking for the state Supreme Court to identify a right to abortion in the state constitution. And they are also asking for an injunction that would prevent the attorney general and county prosecutors from prosecuting anyone under the 1931 law. So in a statement, the attorney general came out and said she would not use any of her office's resources to defend the law or really participate in the lawsuit in any way. She says, quote, this law is dangerous. This law is effectively stripping women of their dignity and bodily autonomy and in some cases their lives. I will not enforce it and neither will I defend it. I will take no part of driving women back into the dark ages in the back alley. I think there's a really good chance that some entity like the Michigan legislature could intervene and essentially play the role of the attorney general here. And that would be to defend the law that is on the books and also to argue that there is no right in the Michigan Constitution to an abortion. And I understand that the attorney general also revealed some personal news during this conversation. That's right. So Dana Nesso frequently talks about her twin boys. She has talked about them going to school and the the activities that they participate in. But today she revealed that when she found out that she was pregnant, that she initially was told that she was having triplets. And due to complications in that uh, pregnancy, essentially she was presented with what she described as a horrible choice, which is to potentially end the pregnancy for one of those fetuses and pursue it for for the remaining two. And so she made, again, what she described as a terrible choice and made that choice. She talked about this being a really personal decision for her and how any ban on abortion might have prevented her from being able to make that choice. And what other responses have you heard? Supporters and critics are understandably fired up. We've heard from entities like Michigan Right to Life and the Michigan Catholic Conference. Both of these are entities that oppose abortion. They've come out against the governor. The a spokeswoman for Right to Life said the governor clearly knows there is no right to abortion. Otherwise, she wouldn't be so vocally supportive of a ballot initiative that's out there that's trying to put abortion into the state constitution. At the same time, we've seen a lot of supporters of this action come out and also uh, thank the governor for her action, including seven Democratic prosecutors who represent counties that the governor is actually suing. So a lot of feedback. We're going to see a lot of additional feedback, and it would be interesting to see who else might respond who are critics in the term in view, I'm sorry, in, in regards to filing a counter lawsuit or otherwise trying to intervene in the lawsuit. Are there any additional questions that I may have missed that we did not cover that's important to include? One thing is, is that Attorney General Dana Nessel has very clearly and repeatedly said that she would not enforce the 1931 abortion ban if Roe is overturned. Not only would she not prosecute women or pregnant people, she would not prosecute providers. There's a chance that the county prosecutor wouldn't prosecute them. Macomb County has abortion clinics. That prosecutor is a former Republican state lawmaker. There is a high likelihood that if Roe is overturned, that that prosecutor's office would be prosecuting people in accordance with the 1931 law. So I think that that enforcement would be would be something that is also a little bit hard to predict if and when Roe is overturned. Why not go through the legislature? Why did Whitmer choose to go a different way? 
She has actually called for the legislature to pass a, a legislation that protects women's right to choose. But we have a Republican-controlled legislature, and I don't, I'm not personally aware of any pro-choice Republican state lawmakers. Dave, if you are, please correct me. No, that's exactly right. I mean, the issue is the Republican leadership. It's highly unlikely that anything like that would get through. Is, is this a smart move by Whitmer? Like, couldn't it just go the other way? There's certainly a chance that the Michigan Supreme Court rules that there is no right to an abortion in the state constitution. And so they've, they've never done that before. But if the Michigan Supreme Court rules that and the Republican-controlled legislature isn't poised to pass any law that overturns the 1931 law, that could leave few avenues to challenge the law that's on the books. Again, you can do an initiative petition, but but the court could rule, not only could take up her petition, her, her lawsuit, it could rule that there is no right to an abortion in the Constitution. I actually disagree. I think even if the court goes against her, I don't know that she has worsened the position for women in Michigan. It can't become like more illegal. We've talked about who could be charged under the 1931 law. And a lot of times, um, you know, conservative politicians will talk about how they, they, they would never charge women. They would only charge doctors. But I think that it is, you know, this law is ambiguous, especially with the rise of medicine abortions. Um, nearly half of all abortions now are achieved through medication rather than through a surgical procedure. And I think that the law that talks about anyone who administers, uh, you know, drugs that would induce an abortion to a pregnant woman, I think there's at best, it's a gray area that that leaves the door open to prosecuting women. And Attorney General Nessel had pointed out in a conversation we had a few weeks ago that even if women were prosecuted for abortions, if you were prosecuting doctors, you would almost certainly compel women to testify, and women who refuse to testify could be threatened with criminal contempt. So, Kristen, there's a lot of talk about what the world was like pre-Roe and some speculation on what the world will be like post-Roe. With your experience uh, in health coverage, what are your thoughts uh, on how this relates to the impacts of these kinds of decisions? It's a real challenging thing for women. Um, you know, every state has different rules and different restrictions. And depending on where you live, there may be a waiting period. There may not be a waiting period. If you are a minor, you have to get parental permission in some places and not in others. It's difficult to find a clinic. It's difficult to find a clinic near you if you don't have transportation, if you don't have money, all of these access to care barriers that Nancy raised. It, it just seems as if, you know, the, the rules are constantly changing and shifting beneath our feet. And it, it's been that way now for years. And no one ever really knows exactly when it's going to change again. And we're in this place right now where we have the Supreme Court considering this really important case, and we could see a really huge shift that would affect not just Michigan, but the whole nation. And I think for for people who want that access to care, it probably feels like a, like a huge blow to their ability to get what they need. There's one more point that I want to raise, if that's okay, and that is the notion of a missed miscarriage, which happens to a whole lot of women when they have a miscarriage, the fetus is dead, but for some reason, their body is not expelling that fetus. And under this 1931 law, any medication, anything that is done that will induce a miscarriage is considered illegal. There's all kinds of horrible effects, not to mention the psychological effects, right, of knowing that you are still carrying 
a dead fetus and your body cannot expel that. So that's one thing to consider as well. This is where you could get into dueling medical experts. Some saying, no, this this procedure had to be performed to save her life because she had not completed the miscarriage. But another expert could say, no, we could have waited. We could have waited to see what would happen. Well, um, with that, I have no more questions. I just want to say thank you, Nancy Kaffer. Thank you, Dave Boucher. Thank you, Kristen Jordan-Shamus for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. Right. Thank you. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran with help from Tad Davis. Anjanette Delgado and Marianne Struman are our executive producers, and Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thank you, as always, for listening. And don't forget to share, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We love the support of our listeners. With all that being said, see you next week.